I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam Podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to The Perfect Scam Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So, stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. You're listening to Black Girl Blueprint. Because black girls did it first. And honestly, better. Period. Period. And welcome to Black Girl Blueprint, your fave podcast for all the Gen Z Black Girl tea. My name's Lauren. And my name is McKean, and thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We have a really dope conversation lined up with our amazing guest, Miss Zoli Griggs. We're going to talk about the entertainment world. We're going to talk about like what it's like to be an actress and also just other tea and things that are happening in the world. So we're really excited about that. Yes, we are huge Zoli Greg stands over here. So Zoli, why don't you like introduce yourself a little bit, let everybody get to know you, you know? Yes. Hi, everyone. And thank you, ladies, for having me on the show. I feel honored. Um, I'm Zoe. I'm from Los Angeles, California. I'm 23 years old and I'm waiting for the pandemic to end. <laughs> but <laughs> I that. Are, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well. I'm feeling good despite everything that's going on. That's good. That's, that's good. What's up. For anybody who might not know you, where might people have seen you before? Because I know you're, you know, an actress or whatever. We love that for you. So let the people know. Plug yourself real quick. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's hard sometimes to, to humble brag. But um, I was on the <laughs> Wu-Tang American Saga. You know, we got the first season on Hulu right now. Um, I've been on Ballers. I have an indie movie yes. out called Bit that's super amazing and super awesome. It's about like Ooh. a girl group of vampires. Period. Um, and let's thing to you there. You know, you can check out the IMDb if you want. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the Read the Room, Lauren. What we got going on today? Mm-hmm. So, right. So for anyone who might be new here, just a little bit of an explanation. This is a segment we like to do at the beginning of every episode where we just chat a little bit about some of our thoughts, honestly, on what's going on in pop culture, personal lives. We'll definitely be responding to any questions or topics that the listeners send in. So today we thought it would be funny to talk a little bit about the Ellen controversy that's going mm-hmm. on, which I think is absolutely hilarious. I think honestly. it's funny. It's the tweets a lot. Yeah, Twitter is always funny. Honestly, cracking me up. Honestly, Twitter is taking running with this. So anyone who doesn't know the controversy, Ellen's been kind of going through it because apparently her workplace is really toxic, which she probably is to blame for. But like, she's kind of been like, oh, I didn't know. But anyways, 
what we'd want to really focus on rather than the controversy is there's this one tweet that was like, which black woman would you like to see replace Ellen as like a major talk mm-hmm. show host? So that's what we're going to be chatting about. We have a lot of like, we have some current ones, but like, you know, there's, we could, there's definitely some like work that can be done in the talk show host to like see black girls thrive. So for sure. So who would you like to see, Zoli? Would you kick us off? Who would you imagine as like your dream black girl talk show host? I think even though I think she has her own, she might have her own talk show or she might be a guest, but I think Kiki Palmer is a great candidate. She's She's Mm -hmm. intelligent. She, you know, she can kind of do it all. I also Mm -hmm. saw somebody suggest Tabitha Brown. I love Miss Tabitha Brown. I think she would be great. Period. She's mm-hmm. informative, food-wise, and she's a mother, so you know she's gonna have like a new perspective for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, Tiffany Polar. They almost said Miss New York. <laughs> Why did you take my top three? Literally, right? those were our top three picks. Those are the ones. We, but period. But that's how you know that they're good picks. Exactly. Mm. But there was the tweet that said like Tabitha Brown needs like a daytime like mm-hmm. feel good, maybe like a, a cooking show or like exactly. something like that. Mm. And then we want Tiffany for like the nighttime show where she's just like yes. breaking it down, unfiltered, hilarious. Exactly. That's what we love. A small part of me wants like a a girl talk show host. Like we've never seen like not kids, but you know, like That's teens true. as talk show hosts. Like I would love to see Marseille Martin as a talk mm. show host. Like maybe throw China and McLean in yes. there, throw like Yar Shahidi in there. That would just be like a view, but for yeah. the girls, you know? Like a little Gen Z talk show host. That'd be cute. Mm-hmm. We here for it. We here for it. I'm here for it. How about you, Lauren? I think those are my topics too, honestly. I think definitely maybe like a Marseille Martin with like maybe like a Sky Jackson collab. I feel like the two of them could be cute on a show together. Same thing said Tyra McLean, the Disney girls. Maybe I don't know much, but I feel like Yara Shahidi, Normani. I wanna say I want Rihanna on a talk show. I don't think she would I don't know if she would do it, but if Rihanna did a right? talk show, you that would change things. Everybody tuning in. So Absolutely. Everybody would be tuning into that one. For real. But with what you were talking about before with the talk show host for young people, I think definitely something that we should talk about is how Netflix announced that some of our fave childhood shows are coming back onto their Mm. platform. So I think that's worth mentioning. Sister, Sister was my show. What were y'all watching? Honestly, this binging of Moesha has like made me forgive Netflix for taking off a different world. And like, I just feel like this was like, you know, the golden age in black TV in so many ways. Like, I don't even know if I was actually watching them when they were running, but I know I watched all them reruns and like, it's just kind of been like taking me back to like, wow. Like, I don't think we, even though we have blackish, you know, we have some attempts, but we don't really have like that range of just like black youth and black families on tv right now in that way you know what i mean like in a way that felt natural and not like out of touch so that's been a joy i think my favorite like like i said a different world and moesha were probably my top two 90s black tv shows honestly they take the cake those were mine. Zoli, what were your fave shows at that time? Honestly, That's a Raven, which I guess it's not 90s, but it was early 2000s. Like, it was I yeah, yeah. watched every episode and it's on Disney Plus. So I still am watching it. Like, I love it. And then Girlfriends, mm-hmm. like, my mom used to watch Girlfriends and I was too young period. to, like, 
know really what was going on, but I did rewatch it a couple, maybe like a year ago. And then to hear um, Joan, not Joan, wow, I called her Joan, Tracy <laughs> Ross. <laughs> I'm going call her by Tracy. Okay. To hear that Tracy said they're going to be bringing it back to Netflix is amazing. So I can watch it again. But um, Girlfriends is like my top because... Period. I feel like it's perfect mm-hmm. for me to watch it now. I'm at the age or approaching the age that they were in the show. So it's like mm-hmm. perfect in, you know, the subjects and everything that they were talking about. And plus, I think the range of characters that they had was amazing. And that's, I think, a big part of how, like, Black sitcoms were so important back then because they were genuine and they were super diverse, but without it being forced and without it feeling mm-hmm. like, you know, like this is black. We're going to talk about black. And like, it was just, they were just, mm-hmm. they were, you know, black. Yeah. Right. They were just organically themselves. And it just so happened to be that mm. we're black, you know? And I, I feel like right. that's what we're missing now is like, everything is kind of forced and it's like, we're going to, like, you don't, we don't, we know what being black is. We live it every exactly. day. Let's just have it mm-hmm. natural. Just talk about us. Yeah, right. Talk yeah. about it. Right. I'm with that. I think also one thing that I'm like uh, revisiting these shows has made me realize is the fits. Like even That's So Raven was my like fashion inspo. Honestly, when she redid her room, I wanted to read, like I thought I was going to be an interior designer. Literally, do you guys remember that episode of That's So Raven where she like redid her whole bed and she had that bed that was like hanging from the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, hold on a minute. Like this might be what I need in my life. <laughs> this might be my yeah, dream. Chinese fashion was it. Her room it was, was it. in an attic too. I wanted that too. I'm like, she has her own little area in the house. Like, right. oh, I wanted her life. <laughs> it really was. It was different. It was a time, a real like special time. I think now this might be a good transition to our main convo of sort of like mm-hmm. going from having like watched those those characters and those tv shows growing up and now being an actress yourself and always really haven't been an actress really since a young age for you what we just want to get into your career and like what that's like and your Mm -hmm. experiences there so I met you as Tanisha on Corey in the House house. (laughs) but you're also like currently killing it as Shuri on Wu-Tang and we just want to hear all about that and get into that I think one thing that was so beautiful about watching me or me watching you play that role on Wu-Tang was that like I know Wu-Tang through my dad and like the men in my family and in my Mm -hmm. head you know it was like it was a men's story like this is a men's group and I thought Mm -hmm. that the show was going to be that and I was so glad like to see you and the women on that show like really sort of make me rethink like what is it a is it a men's story like is hip hop his hip hop really like the birth of men you know what i mean like what role women played in sort of formulating that development and i was just first of all you did a great job and it was amazing watching you, you. but i'm also like curious like what drew you to that role and like just sort of the beginning of it all like what was the casting process like and what really just appealed to you about him um just to pick up on just like about the women in the show, I think it's surprising to everybody because when you hear Wu-Tang, especially like a Wu-Tang show, you're imagining just to see the rappers as a formed group Mm. and performing already and famous already, you know, Mm -hmm. and the show is so great because it takes you before they were Wu-Tang, before they were the rappers, before they even knew who they were as just young men. And Mm. it shows, like you said, that it's not just about these young men. 
you know, their moms played a big role, their sisters played a big role, their girlfriends played a big role in helping to shape them and who they were. But, you know, you don't hear about that when when the hero story, you just hear about when somebody makes Mm -hmm. it. And so I think that's why the show is really dope for season one to shine a light on how these women help to mold these men or to push them in certain areas. And I can only hope for season two that, you know, the women get more shine, not just mm. me, but you know, the other girlfriends and uh Erica who plays my mom and yes. things like that. So I'm really excited to see how their stories unfold as well. But the process, I'll talk about the process because every process is different for each job, but mm. it's all kind of the same with acting, period. <laughs> so Got this you. could go for Corey House and this. So I remember Like, so for typical auditions, you audition, you go in person or sometimes a self-tape. Right now, everything is self-tape because of what's going on. So you put yourself on tape. They send you a script with, well, they send you size, which has a certain amount of, you know, scenes um, in it. And you memorize the scene and you prepare it as best as you would playing Mm. this person. Um, And sometimes the script is included so you can get full context or, and then sometimes it's just, certain scenes oh. so you go in you do your audition for Wu-Tang in particular I did a self-tape with a coach we sent it in and didn't hear anything you know but that's typically how it is like mm. I let go I let God and I go on about my life I can't mm. hold on mm. to yeah you know like you can't hold on to things you you know if you really want something like of course you're going to want to but you can't and I think because uh, I auditioned for this in 2018, mm. in December, uh, like November, December. I had been auditioning that whole year and was so close. Like when you're about to book something, they have you do a test, which is like oh. test and meet all the producers. You meet the directors, the writers, everybody. And sometimes even a chemistry read with other characters. And so I had done about four or five tests that year, did not book anything. So I was already like on my last, Mm. you know, I was on my my wit's end. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I really am not going to harbor over anything. I'm going to just let go, let God. So I felt Mm. like there wasn't that much pressure on me because I had already been through so many hoops. And things, so I was like, cool, I'm gonna just do what I do, but I don't really, not I don't care. I don't wanna say that because I care, but I'm not gonna harbor. Right. So I was in Italy. (laughs) My grandmother wanted to go on a quick vacation. Okay. So we went to Italy and I got an email like, we want you back. Uh, They wanna see you for a call back. They wanna, you know, they wanna see you again. So when do you get back? And it was like, this was like two weeks later from the audition. So I kind of, you know, left my mind and all that kind of stuff. I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, we gotta get back to America. So (laughs) I get back and it was actually just a test. They went straight to test. So that means they chose, you know, they had narrowed it down. And I remember I went in and there were a couple other uh, ladies there that I did happen to see. But, you know, it was the, the good thing I think about now in auditions and in a, like audition world. I think women are more 
sweet to each other and nice. You know, you don't feel mm, like yeah. that competitive energy. Like I'm gonna out act you right now, <laughs> sis. Like it's not. I feel like it used to be like that when I was like a young girl. You know, like I felt mm. like moms would kind of pit us against each other, and you would feel mm. that kind of energy as like an eight-year-old but it doesn't feel that way now that I'm you know an adult so that's dope you know you know we wish each other good luck and you know break a leg and I hope the you know whoever gets it gets it and peace and love so it was amazing energy I just went in there I met Riza I met Alex um you know and Kim Coleman the casting director and we did our thing and then like I said I left and I was like we see what it is Mm, and period. Then, yeah. Right before Christmas, they told me I got it. It was hey, come on, Christmas, Christmas present. Ever, right? <laughs> we love that. That's it great. Was amazing. So I did a chemistry read with um two of the guys who was going to play Ghostface or Dennis. They chose who you see as Ghostface. Mm. I think they did an amazing job. And here we are, a year and a half later, in season yes. two. So. Period. Congrats on season two. We are so proud of you, though. Thank you. Like the fact that you kept at it. Honestly, you in that role, McKeon already said it, but like you did such an amazing job. And I think what you were talking about, what McKean was saying as well with like how it was so good to see like the women behind the story, I think is so important. And that's not something that's talked about a lot, but also even Shuri as a character herself, as a woman who's so layered in terms of the fact that, you know, she's like so sweet and kind and caring, but also like a total badass who doesn't take anything from anybody. And just sure. like, there's so much to her. Also intelligence too. And I think also you mentioned as well um, in another interview that you did that Shuri is actually based on not one character, but a composite of all of Riz's yes. sisters. So I know it can be like, maybe like a little bit daunting or like pressure if you're like portraying a real person for sure you know make sure you do it right but how was it to be portraying multiple people like what did that prep process look like yeah honestly Riza has a huge family so Mm. not even just like getting the sister dynamic but learning everybody just so I could it was cool that they allowed us to be around a lot of their family. So mm-hmm. I met, you know, his daughter and some nieces and nephews and cousins and all that kind of stuff. Um, it felt cool to kind of be welcomed into the family as like an extended member. But it was cool meeting the family, meeting the sisters. Honestly, to this day, I've still only met one sister. Um, really? And I really, yeah, and I really got most of the information about the whole family dynamic from Riza and his sister Sophia, um, who I feel like is more of the softer side of like the mm. character that I played. That's kind of how I've divided the sisters up in who Sheree is. Like from what I got from Sophia was she was, you know, she stood up for her mom and kind of was like the mom of the family, but she was mm. also like the sweetheart and the soft one whereas their sister Cherie who you know I'm named after and everything was more like the hard ass causing arguments and like you mm. know somebody mm-hmm. was picking on 
their brothers, she would go beat them up. So like that's like <laughs> the hard side, you know, that I yeah. when I have to pull that out. Um and honestly, I'm not even sure they have so many family members. I hate to say this, but I'm not even sure who the third sister is. I sadly haven't gotten to meet her either but I would love to continue to meet these ladies so that you know my character can progress and things right. like that mm-hmm. um but it was amazing having to sit down with Sophia because she told me the family dynamic what it was like you know for the boys and their mom and then the sisters and the mom and it really allowed me to see why there would be certain conflicts between you know the relationships and things like that so it was cool because I felt like I was sitting down learning their personal lives. It didn't mean, mm. you know, like they're just telling yeah. me what it was like for them to grow up. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm actually going to be portraying this for the world to see. Right. So, you know, I definitely wanted to make sure I did it justice, but it was amazing because it's like, I'm getting information right from the source. I don't have to assume too much, mm. you know, like I know why yeah. they act in this way do things like that and so on and so forth right that's dope I feel like it's really interesting like to hear about the process someone who knows nothing about acting and has never acted beyond my little fifth grade play (laughs) but it's so interesting (laughs) to hear about like the process of like specifically when you're really like portraying real people and real stories that like actually happened and haven't sort of been created just for the screen it's interesting Mm -hmm. to like I didn't even think about you know like getting to meet his whole family and like how complex it is to like portray a family dynamic even in conversation let alone like teach someone else like here's every nuance about my family and like here's how I want you to act it out so like you did I mean I don't know what their family was like but you could have fooled me I thought it was the right one (laughs) I also of course I know so we mentioned at the beginning in your intro you are a west coast girl LA till you die and for the show (laughs) for the show you had to film in New York in Staten Island right so what what was that like and I think when you were in New York we talked a little bit about this but like that's a big transition and I would just love to hear like what was crazy about that what was great about that like what caught you off guard for sure I feel like my um I I mean I've always loved being from LA of course and like just the west side in general but I feel like it's kind of like an inside joke with all my New York friends now that they're like oh here she go little miss LA like because when I was in New York I'm like oh my god it's snowing outside and it's like 23 degrees and they're like that ass get a bubble coat and get used to it and I'm like this is normal for y'all like this is insane Mm -hmm. but you know it was fun as heck because I've never lived outside of LA for that long so picking up and moving to a new city for different circumstances was just like I had culture shock honestly like yeah New York is still in America but it's a complete different beast so it was Mm -hmm. beautiful to you know learn that like your um source of public transportation is a train and like everybody walks to New York and just like Mm. the mannerisms how people mingle like the social life everything is a complete 180 from LA but learning that allowed me to be open-minded and learn more as well you know like like for instance there is a huge um 
Latin population in New York. And we also have that in LA, but the cultural difference is actually like yeah. it's a lot of Afro Latinos in um, New York. And so there's like, people are more together, you know? Um, mm. And so the lines are kind of blurred. And so it's like, we're all the same, you know, like we're all family. Whereas in LA, mm-hmm. like it's, I guess it's because, you know, we have like more gang territory and things like that. Mm. And we're closer to Mexico, but it's like, we don't have that same relation. So like going out there and seeing the difference between like the people who spoke Spanish and the black people were kind of one and the same. Even that was a culture shock to me because I'm like, it Mm. is not like that in L.A. Like you look at somebody funny and it's like, what's up, you know? (laughs) And I feel like it's more beautiful. It's crazy. But like in New York, it's it's just like peace and love and like you know a lot of the population is muslim too and so it feels more spiritual and like pro-black and just you know more welcoming and i really appreciate that and learning that kind of made me have that open heart in mind when i came back to my city and i wanted you know just the culture to be a little bit more like that but i feel Mm. like it's hard like we don't have the same you know, history and references for people that to just jump on that bandwagon Mm. so quick. But I love New York. Like it's its own city. And so therefore I appreciate it for what it is. I feel like people try and like go to New York and if they're not from there and they want it to be like where they're from, like it's not, you know, you can't expect New York to be like where you're from. It's not going to be the same where people come to LA and expect it to be where they're from. Like you're coming from a rural city this is a big city. Like either you get with it or you literally like are going to get lost. It's the same thing in New York, you know? So I just adapted, you know, cause it's like, I'm not going to change the city. It's been like this for years. So who am I to step in New York and be like, Oh, this is weird. Y'all do this. (laughs) But I will say that weather, I will never get used to, but it is what it is. I believe it. (laughs) <laughs> just dress for the day as much as you can. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. If it's going to rain, if it's going to be hot, the humid, snow, but get for real. Mm. For real. No, that's true. Preach, preach. I, I'm originally from the Bahamas, Ooh. so I moved to New York for nice. college at Columbia. Let me tell you about my first winter. That first time being in snow, girl, I was shivering. Everybody was looking at me funny. <laughs> it was a mess. So I understand completely, 100%. But yes. yeah, no, first winter in New York, if you're not from New York, is a mess. But I'm glad to hear about you adapting. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still, <laughs> it's been two years and I'm still struggling, but I'm really happy to hear it on your end. I feel you. Also, though, speaking of first, something that we wanted to talk about as well is, you know, apparently, was this your first time filming like an on screen sex scene for a movie? That's what we want to talk about. Give us the tea, girl. Give us all of it. We want to know. Yes. For real. Right. So the good news is because of, I guess it's like, it's shocking actually, but, um, so we have something on set called a intimacy coordinator Mm. and, um, they make sure that everybody is open, that there is consent. Period. Everybody is comfortable. Yes. Um, and also, you know, before you can do these scenes, you have to get tested, make sure you're okay, all these kinds of things. So it's really, it takes time and there are a lot of precautions. You know, I think a lot of people think, oh yeah, they don't go with it. Like, no, it, it takes time. But the crazy thing is, 
this is a new practice. I would like even speaking to Erica, who plays my mom, she said, uh, back in the day, they weren't this, they didn't take these precautions. Mm. It was kind of like, okay, you have a sex scene, go do right. it. You know, I'm pretty sure people still got tested, but it was just like, go do it yeah. and action. Which is awkward, you know. It doesn't set the tone. It doesn't, you right. know, like ruins the vibe. Somebody, and you're supposed to, yeah, you know. It doesn't. It's awkward when you're actually having an intimate, uh, you know, relations with somebody who you might have just met. So imagine doing it in front of a bunch of people and on camera. Right. It's like this is not normal. Um, but thankfully. We have an intimacy coordinator. She's super amazing. Make sure that, you know, I'm comfortable. Sadiq is. They shut down the set. So nobody is in the room except for people who have to be. Mm. And then we have monitors mm. all over. Nobody can see the monitors except for, of course, like the director, um, producers, just anybody who needs to see it. If you're not necessary on set, you have to mm. go just to make okay. it better for everybody. So that was like the amazing part, you know, consent, comfortability, everything. But it's still <laughs> uncomfortable being on set. And, you know, for the sex scene that I had, we had uh, Chris Robinson as the director who also directed, you know, plenty of music videos mm. and ATL and everything. And he's so cool. But he goes, I need y'all to remember you're having sex. Like, y'all are just. <laughs> quiet, laying there, is awkward. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. He's like, y'all have had sex, right? Like, you kind of have to do that right now. <laughs> so it was funny considering, you know, Sadiq and I were just kind of like, we we had met each other and we'd hung out a little bit, but it was our first week of filming right. and we're both basically naked and, like, doing different positions, doing a different takes like all this kind of stuff you know and so it was definitely awkward at first but then you realize like this is my job at the end of the day <laughs> um and so I'm just going to forget about all the exterior things going on and just do my job because also they're not making a sex movie so I know this scene can only last right. a while. so it's like you know I know to narrow it down um and then it, it was cool <laughs> Also, it was just, like, awkward watching it, you know, at the premiere, and, like, my parents. Mm, that's what I want to know. I want to know, like. Yeah. How did that go? How did your parents watching it go? Yeah. I mean, everybody, it's funny, like, most of my family, like, my mom's side of the family, we're pretty mature and grown and have conversations. So they were like, okay, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, like. <laughs> Everybody else was like, at first when I saw you kiss him, I was like, oh, so soon, don't be doing that. And then they continued watching, they said, then we saw you getting it on. I was like, I can't. The TV. I was like, oh my gosh, well, y'all, I'm grown and I had to do what I had to do. But, you know, it's cool. Like, everybody understands that it's part of my job and maybe skip that scene if you don't want to see it that much. <laughs> it, it only lasts that long. Yeah, keep it pushing. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is, but it was, it was definitely funny. Mm. I could never, I was like thinking about like, you, when it happened in the first episode, I was like, hold on, the first episode, Ms. Delete, I was like, okay, she, she grown or whatever, I like, <laughs> I had to turn my volume down because I was watching it on the TV, I was like, oh my god, oh my, 
Oh my lord, have mercy. You did what you had to do, girl. And we we were here for it. We were living. Sure, <laughs> Dennis. Thank you, thank I thought you were cute. I'm not gonna lie. That was so cute. That <laughs> thank was one of my you. favorite parts of the show. Y'all were adorable. <laughs> thank you. Well, now let's move a little bit into like well, as we mentioned, you've been acting for a minute. Was I don't know how old you were when you started, but it's it's been a long time. Yes. Most of your life, am I right? Yes. So like what was it like acting as a child? Like was being an actress always like the dream for you? Is that, you know, where what was yeah, what was that like? What was the growth like? How is being an actress now compared to like your experiences when you were little? For sure. I think not to get deep, but yes. Um, <laughs> I feel like I was, you know, everybody is brought to this earth for a purpose. And I feel like my purpose was always to um, perform or to share my talent and to give back in some way, even if that is using my talents, you know. And my grandmother would always tell me, like, God gave you these talents. He wants you to use them. Like, he wouldn't give you tools mm-hmm. for no reason. So I always was into public speaking, like in elementary school, I did what we had, it was called a pep competition. So I would do monologues all the time. I would do poetry. I would learn Langston Hughes as a young girl and like James Baldwin, all okay. this kind of stuff. Literally okay. like in elementary school, I competed every year. And then, you know, we had school plays. I would always be doing school plays. We had choir um, and glee club. Like I literally did all of that stuff growing up. And then I grew up in the church. My grandmother made sure I spoke at church. I performed at church. Mm. Like everything that the children were doing at church, I was there. So I already mm. had that experience outside of um, like acting as a job. So when it came down to doing it on camera, I already was familiar and I wasn't really shy. Like as a little girl, I didn't know that I was working. I mean, I knew like I was going on set, you know, but it didn't feel like a job. Right. I was just like, I'm performing mm. today, you know, like yeah. I'm doing a commercial where I'll be doing this or I'm doing a movie where I'll be playing like this, you know, in a family dynamic and those right. kinds of things. But it wasn't like I'm acting, you know, I was having fun right. and like learning mm-hmm. new things. I'm meeting new people. I'm around a whole bunch of adults and other children mm. and things like that. So it was an amazing experience. And I still was able to be a little girl because you still legally have to go to school. You can only work a certain amount of hours. And then I would go to actual right. school when I wasn't working. Um, but as I got older, I started to, I would say when I turned a teenager, I realized it's not it's not about just being cute anymore. Like I'm not going to diminish what I think I naturally have. And so I definitely, you know, was great as a little girl, just with energy, charisma, personality, but it's more than just that, you know, it's, are Mm. you singing? Are you doing the work? Are you, you know, really doing the work? And so it wasn't until I got older, maybe like 17, 18, where I really faced my fears, uh, like, amongst myself and was like, do you want to take this seriously? Like, I had taken workshops and classes before, but I felt like none of them suited me. And it was still like, teenage kind of stuff. You know, I felt like they were still treating us like kids. I'm like, Dakota Fanning has been doing serious work since she was five years old, like, doing kidnapping scenes and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Like, 
why are we doing childish stuff? You know, like I'm trying to learn things like that. So it wasn't until I was about 17, 18 that I really started to take workshop classes, serious acting classes. Mm. And then I really learned that in this day and age, it's not just about um, just acting. Like there is an entire business side that comes with it that you have to be prepared for if you would like to be successful. You know, you can't, there's a full you know like like there's a lot that goes into it and so you have to know i'm bob sullivan the new host of aarp's the perfect scam podcast and with frank abagnale and other top fraud experts we're bringing you brand new episodes of america's most shocking scam stories i got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name scam was masterfully designed New episodes available now. Subscribe to the Perfect Scam podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Every aspect or else you're going to be out of the loop. Um, so mm. I think that's what mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize because I didn't even realize it at one point. You know, I was thinking, oh, yeah, I've got raw talent. Like, you know, sometimes you speak out of fear and not knowing. So you're like, I have raw talent. Like, I'm going to be good. That's right. true, but you still have to practice that craft and hone it in and really do the work to mm. get to where you want to be. And so it wasn't until I started to do that mm-hmm. and broaden my horizons that I started to see results and the results that I wanted, you know. Um, yeah. So putting my money where my mouth was and really doing the work and not just, you know, waiting mm-hmm. for somebody else to hand it to me, but also showing Right. I've done the work and if you would like to work with me, like here's what it's going to be like, you know, so it really is period. It takes yeah, it's fifty fifty effort, you know, so we love it. When you first got started, were there any people that you like really, really looked up to in the industry or did you have like maybe a dream co star or anything like that? As a little girl, definitely Raven Simone was like who I wanted to be through and through. I mean, she sang she danced, she had her own show in movies and she had been doing it since she was a little girl. So I literally was like, I am Raven Simone. (laughs) I wanted to be her more than anything, but also I just thought that she was a trailblazer and like super talented, you know, she literally was like taking the media by storm, like from Cosby show to Cheetah Girls, you know, so. She was in charge. Yes! I have we love so much respect for her. Um, but I feel like a lot of, I think seeing a lot of adult Black actors take on roles that I couldn't fathom or just like, you know, being in crazy scenes and scenarios. I just look up to all of them. I mean, I think Viola Davis is amazing. I think Carrie Washington is amazing. I think, of course, Will Smith. Even Jamie Foxx, like I've been going back into um, just looking at his career. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Jamie Foxx was full blown, like just a fool, like hilarious, for real. great comedian. But he can play some serious 
roles. Like mm-hmm. that is so inspiring to see the duality of, you know, him and certain people's careers, how they can really balance it and do like serious things and comedic things. And then if you take it outside of acting, they can do acting and they can do singing right. or they can do acting and directing, you know, like all these different uh mm-hmm. arms that they can, you know, have right. and like put their eggs in different baskets is what I mean mm-hmm. to say. The love versus yes. yeah. so that's really what impresses me because it it inspires me and shows me that like I love acting. I always want to do it. But if I want to put my eggs in different baskets, I can. It's just do the work. Like, that's all you have to do is do the mm. work, apply that pressure, and you can be successful. Like, look at our, you know, the people who have opened the doors for us to do before right. us. So, period. I think, like, period. that was a great, we, we do believe, believe in you. Zoli, Miss Director, Zoli, Miss, whatever you want to do, Thank you, you. want to tap dance, we go support it. <laughs> Thank you. Speaking of the like versatility, I think that's one thing. Even that I admired about Raven, like not as someone who wanted to be in her shoes, but just as like as I was learning of like the type of person that you can be and like the nuance that you can have. And I think both in her character, like on the show, but also like in her practice of like she was singing, she was fashion designing on the show, she was doing this, that, and the third. And I was just like, whoa, like you saw, and it wasn't like you said it. Like they didn't hide the work that it went in. I'm thinking about those episodes of That's So Raven where she like was designing the outfits and then got turned away because she was black and like all of that and how she persevered and like how important that was to see just the range of like possibility and like what I can be if I so dream and like put in the work like so I think that's a great point and I'm also thinking like like Jamie Foxx and like all the other greats who have like had so many types of roles and have sort of played so many different types of characters in their career spans is there like a dream like character that you'd love to play or is there like a genre that you've yet to like try out, whether as an actress or a director or whatever capacity that you would love to try out? Definitely. Um, I always say I would like to be similar to Bianca Lawson as mm. far as career wise, because I feel like Fountain of youth herself. Also- Thank you. She can still play like a 20 year old or eat like 18 if she wanted. And when I look up, I feel like she's in everything. Like, I'm like, dang, you were in this. And I'm like, I don't know how old you are. Like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if this is recent or this is old because you look so good and you're in everything. And I also respect her a lot because you don't ever hear about her in the media or anything negative or nothing bad all you see is the work it speaks for itself she has done everything and so I really admire her for that and respect her for that and I also really love um and I think is inspiring Issa Rae like she literally was doing her YouTube for a decade before you know, people started to recognize her for her brilliance. And now she's literally taking HBO by storm and her career Mm -hmm. by storm. I mean, not only is she bringing herself up, but if you look around, everybody on HBO is having their own segment or show or spinoff or whatever. And I feel like it has a large part to do with her and her influence. And so Mm -hmm. I really want to not just model my acting career after one person or a specific person because of 
the amount of roles that they've played, but also the doors that they've opened for other people mm. and, you know, the different opportunities that they were able to take on and things like that. So I have really molded my, like the things I want to achieve after seeing these different people, you know, and avenues opening up. So like I said, one day I would love to produce or direct my own project to where I can bring other black women, other black men, and just, you know, young people on board and give people Mm. who feel like they didn't have an opportunity or whatever, just to give them that spotlight, because that's why I think is going to get us true progress is like, cool, I'm making my way. How do I bring everybody else with me? Like the family Mm. is only going to eat Mm -hmm. if you bring them with you and, you know, continue to open the doors for everybody else. It's not like, oh, I've made it cool. Shut the door so nobody else can make it. Like, it's not like that. There's enough room for everybody to have a plate and a seat at the table. So that's the only way we're going to, you know, continue to make that progress. I love that. No, I love the everybody eats attitude. Because I feel like, like you were saying earlier, the whole competitiveness or like only this amount of people can succeed. Like there's enough room for everybody at the top, for everybody to be successful. So I think that's so important to like bring people along with you on the journey. Also, what you were saying about not putting yourself in a box, because like we said, you could do anything as long as you put the work Mm -hmm. in. And I think the whole idea of putting in the work in itself is something in and of itself in terms of like you know sometimes we see you know these actresses on the screen and we're like oh this is such like a glamorous Mm. life or whatever or you know it's so cool to be in like these movies and sometimes you don't really hear about all the work that goes into it or about you know what's happening behind the scenes so I think the fact that you are so real about that is so important especially to anyone who's looking up to you or like aspiring to be in the industry I think With like getting real, I think if you had to pick, what do you think are maybe your favorite and least favorite things about the career, about being in the industry? Definitely. I think the most, what I love is the opportunity it brings. So the opportunity to meet new people, the opportunity to travel, the opportunity to even learn within myself because I'm playing different characters and like unlocking different things. And it's even shown me, you know, I'm, I see myself as very confident, but sometimes I'm like, you're low. Like sometimes, you know, you don't know everything and you Mm. do have that fear sometimes in you because you don't know what you're capable of. So I love that it brings out so many different sides of myself and allows me to not just think about myself in the world that I'm in, in the point of view that I might have. Um, So I'm allowed mm-hmm. to see the world for really what it is. Um, what I'm not too fond of is, and I think this is more so like just maybe the industry in itself is one, the closed mindedness of like bringing on new things. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like a lot of big corporations and people who give the green light to a lot of things are afraid that, um, you know, newcomers don't know what they're talking about or don't know what they're doing. So they Mm. might shun, you know, how Black people on Twitter are constantly, like, giving new suggestions about, like, what kind of shows we want to see in movies and all those kinds of things. And it's like, they're being written and they're being pitched, but a lot of companies and things don't want to fund them because Mm. they're nervous that it's not going to be successful they think it's not going to be watched you know so right it's like 
as much as people are asking for it, it's not being made because, you know, money is going into what's already been done. Like they keep doing the same stuff over and over Mm. again. And it's like, we want new stuff. And also just sometimes like the inappropriateness of the industry, you know, as we're hearing like the Me Too movement Mm. and pedophilia and all those kinds of things. Like truthfully, I have not endured things on that level. Thankfully, I'm blessed and appreciative but mm. I know that it's happening. I know that it's going on, you know? And so right. like, that is pretty disturbing that people are taking desperate people who want to be successful in the industry, whether it's singing or acting or dancing or whatever. And they're taking people's desires and warping it and manipulating it into abusing them. Like that's sick. And it kind of gives the industry a bad rep too. It's like, you know, you're thinking like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm being, I'm more successful and stuff, you know, I'm going to meet like maybe my favorites and working with directors and actors and all these kinds of people. And then you really get to meet them. And it's like, damn, you're not who I thought or you didn't live up to the expectations or, you know, you hear about something on the Me Too movement movement or just something that goes against your morals and now you're turned off, you know, and now you don't have the same love and respect. So that's something that I'm coming to terms with, but it is what it is because like I said, more doors are opening up for those people who are hungry mm. and who do have proper morals. So yes. Hey. Yes. We love I like the optimism and I like I think the point that you made about Twitter, I feel like Twitter pitches a a hit show daily. I'm Great thinking idea. even of like that one photo of Lupita and Rihanna on the side of that runway. Do you guys remember that? And they were like, please give us a movie where like they're agents and they were together. And it was like a whole plot. And they they said, you know, like we're gonna make a movie about it and like da 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 da. But I don't know if it's gonna happen. I don't know if anyone with power is listening to this, but please, please make it happen. Zoli better make it happen. I'm telling you, like people are trying to make it happen. Black creatives are trying to make it happen. I've seen it like I've auditioned for things that'll be in the works. And then right when it's about to go to that last final stage, it's like, mm. we couldn't get the funding. We had to stop it. Or, you know, mm. they said, no, they didn't think you'd be successful. So it's hard. Like, like the stuff that you do see, I'm like, I'm glad it's being made, but there's right. so many other projects that just are getting turned down. So mm. ah, on process. that note of like, the, the up and coming, the those who listen and might like have a dream of being an actress, but like just don't know and like have never known. What advice would you give to them? And is like, is there anything that you wish you knew before you started that you know now? Um, I think like I mentioned before, don't don't let your fears get in the way of your dreams. Like I think for a long time I feared having to take a class because it was like a little thing, like a fear of like oh my God, I'm going to have to be in front of a bunch of people like messing up possibly or not doing well or judging, Mm. you know. I was taking acting classes. I was the youngest person in the room. I was 18 years old and all my, you know, co-stars, I guess you could say, in the room were like 30 and up. And so Mm. that was mind-boggling too because I'm like, you know, they've been doing this for longer than me. They might be judging me. They might be thinking. And sometimes I'd be the only black person in the room too. So it's like, I've got a lot of kind of anxiety up here, but it's like, 
but you're going to have to perform in front of people anyway. So Mm. you have to face that fear. Like, and you know, yeah, you will get that opportunity that is perfect for you, but if you're not prepared, then it doesn't matter, you know? So don't be afraid to do the extra mile. Like if you want to go to school for it, don't be afraid to, or if you want to read up on it, like, you know, different acting methods and all that kind of stuff, taking workshops, taking classes, like do that stuff. And also if you want to create stuff and you feel like, you know, you don't have to wait for like a big movie producer or production to see you to Mm. achieve your goals. Mm -hmm. Like I think the biggest lesson I've learned and my friends and I talked about recently is use your resources that are right before you. Like people always think, oh, I'm going to get on and then I'm going to work with the biggest, hottest people. Like, why don't you use your friends? Like Mm. your friend that wants to be a camera person there, they can literally be the videographer. Your friend who wants to get into writing, they can literally help you write a script. Like you have your resources closest to you. Just bring them in, like work Mm -hmm. on a project. Like, YouTube is there, Vimeo is there, like everything is right there at our fingertips. Just do it. Like I remember in high school, I have a group of friends that literally were writing and directing and were doing all these small films, uh, you know, as extracurricular activities. And I had no idea this was going on. Like I was blown away, but we had a film festival in school and my friends were making crazy ass, dope ass movies that I had no idea mm. was like going on. <laughs> And, you know, they're still doing it. And some of them have made it to the Sundance Festival. And, like, you know, they're making strides just from doing home movies that they were doing back in high school. And now, you know, they're adults and, like, getting deals and things like that. So, you know, maybe you feel like you're not being noticed now in the audition world or in the industry. But it's like you can still be noticed by just mm. doing the work and linking up with your friends. So you really, there is no excuse. Like... I understand if you're afraid, but get over the fear and just do the work and go for it. Like, and it's fun, you know, once you get over that irrational fear, it's fun. And you're like, I'm Mm. glad I did that. I learned something new. It was uncomfortable, but now I'm a new person. So it's only uncomfortable for so long. Right. That's dope. Period. No, all the points, all the points were made. I think especially with what you're talking about, like, like we said, everybody eats. So I think people tend to not think about the resources that they have at their disposal. And I think with thinking about like, you know, advice for like people who want to be up and coming as like screenwriters or as actresses, like get your friends together and make a yep. project. And I feel like in the age of the internet that we're in now, like you said, with mm. YouTube, with Vimeo, like don't be afraid to like put something out there and get discovered. Like I'm thinking about all the people who are like even making like those short TikTok yeah. films or whatever. And some of them are like blowing up exactly. and they're like getting deals off of that. So honestly, anyone listening, don't be afraid to get on it. Zoli said herself, <laughs> you got the inside scoop from Zoli. She gave you facts. all the facts. So And like producers and directors and writers, they are all online watching. Like you mm-hmm. might not think it, but... I mean, even though sometimes it's not the best because sometimes people do be stealing ideas, (laughs) but they are looking, they are watching, they are, you know, trying to hire people, all that kind of stuff. So social media really is, can be your best friend if you use it the right way, you know? Period. No, awesome. And I think thinking about more, I guess, a little inside scoop from Zoli on your experiences, thinking about what you were saying, like, again, you've been on a very big range of sets and like the projects that you've done. 
Is there or has there been any difference between being on maybe a majority black show or majority black set versus being in a on a white set or in those white spaces that you found? For sure. I think it's it comes down to things like as simple as the stylist, the makeup artist, the hair stylist, you know, like doing Wu Tang, they were like, Don't worry, we're going to make sure that your hair is protected like whatever you mm. feel comfortable with whatever you don't like we got it um same I mean honestly my makeup artists are white but they're dope as hell they're open-minded and they know what they're doing you know so it, it really just depends like um I think the big difference though is just we feel like we are comfortable because most of the people around us look like us and understand us you know and because the show mm. is so black, like it's a bunch of black people in a black ass state, we're yep. in New York, like you know, um, we're we're welcoming other races into our mm. world. You know, it doesn't feel like we're being introduced to their world. It's like this is what it's like. So you know, we do say nigga, and sometimes the guys <laughs> are like you know a ghetto hot ass mess, but that is who they are, and, and nobody's gonna you know like. Yeah, it's like you can't say anything. Like this is our world. This is how we are. So it's either you get with it, or you can get lost and you can go to another set. Like there's yeah, there's nothing wrong with that because if this makes you uncomfortable, there is a set out there for you that you know you Mm -hmm. can work at that you maybe feel better. So like I said, it's dope to know that we are the majority, and so we feel comfortable amongst ourselves. And you know, uh, also. Riza and everybody is really open-minded and welcoming and they listen to us if we do or don't like certain things and it's just nice to have somebody who looks like you as a higher up so you don't feel like damn they're not listening and they don't get it because you know they don't mm-hmm. have they don't get it so it's it's dope to have somebody who like just understands so that when you're saying what it is that you right. like changed or whatever whatever that they're like okay cool like mm-hmm. we get it um so it's just good to have somebody like right I understand. that's that's what's up and I feel like that's the part of representation that we we talk about representation as like a visual thing but we don't talk about it as like there it's such a big yeah. deal about like who's Internal. in the room that's setting the culture of this whole space of this whole environment like who's setting the tone and I mean, back to the Ellen Show controversy, like, it really matters who's at the top and it everything trickles mm-hmm. down. Like, if things aren't right yeah. at the top and if things don't look like me or feel, like, comfortable for me at the top, they're not going to feel comfortable anywhere. So I feel like that's a great point about, like, the, exactly. the way that you guys were able to exist. And I'm sure that only helps strengthen the story. You know what I mean? Like, if they had y'all film a Wu-Tang exactly. show with, like, all white directors, all white cast, all white everything, it would have been, like, is this wu exactly like and sometimes we did have white directors who would come in and they would have suggestions you know um and just even directors who weren't from america so they don't understand like our culture and things like that like american culture and black american culture and so you know the guys would be like although i do respect you as a director i'm going to be honest that's Mm. not authentic that doesn't make sense Period. that would throw off the show and so it's like when you have people like RZA at the top and people like Alex who he's not black but he's you know a person of color and he's from New York it's like 
you have people backing you and they're like the boys mm-hmm. and you know sometimes me or whoever we can make those calls because it's like they know that they trust us and we just you know right. we know what's authentic and what makes sense versus like an outside voice trying to come in and you can't tell guys from New York like how to right. be New York like, like how you gonna tell me <laughs> they're as authentic <laughs> as it gets you know, like, how you tell them? So, you know, it's that's what's cool. up. I think, like, on that note, and sort of one final question about, like, the entertainment world and what you see for the future of it, like, what are some concrete, like, changes that the industry as a whole can make to sort of ensure that sets don't feel, like, isolating to people of color or, like, whether they're majority Black or not, like, that everyone is comfortable to sort of be authentic in those spaces? I think everybody should literally just like, and this is so, it's so simple, but that's literally all it is. Like it could be so mm. simple. If everybody was just authentically themselves and would allow others to be that way as well, you know, like as a, as like different races and cultures, we don't all act the same. We don't all speak the same, you know, all those kinds of things. And so I feel like it would be really important on set to, be like, do you feel comfortable having, you know, like this kind of hairstylist on set or makeup artist or just, you know, asking people what their preferences are and what they would feel more comfortable with sometimes and allowing the actors or whoever who is going to be portraying certain things mm. or working amongst a certain group, like, what would you prefer? Um, and what's cool for you? Because Sometimes you're on set, like we were on set for five months. Right. So it's like, I'm really going to get to know y'all. I really want to make sure I'm comfortable with everybody, you know? Um, and so just asking people what they would prefer mm. and not to have it like so um, monitored or, you know, to feel judged because there aren't people that look like you or understand you around. So to make sure that you have a genuinely diverse set and that it makes sense and not just doing it for brownie points or right. for show, but like make sure you do the the research the right way and not just like okay we got check this box right and um, a black hairstyle yeah we're gonna check this box Literally. so everybody's good right because <laughs> sometimes not all uh skin folk are kin folk as that's well. it so it's like making and sure that's that on it's period. genuine that is on period <laughs> genuine authentic we're not trying to be a diversity box that you just tick and go about your day so love that amen <laughs> period points were made everything period. said <laughs> so wrapping it up a little bit now with the you know this amazing conversation we just had about the entertainment industry just closing off we just want to know more about you and what you got going on so we wanted to mention to you you know we were so, so proud of you with that project you put together for your birthday yes. with the grab and go Inglewood. We would love to hear more about that. And also just on top of that, like what else you got going on? Where else can we expect to see you? What are you looking forward to? Just give us the tea. Yes. For sure. Um, <laughs> I was just on Instagram because that's what we all typically do. And I found this page called it's ALT as an alternative Chicago mm. and they started like an alternative market um, where people can, they just, you know, set up supplies and people can just take them as they need. And I was like, that is so amazing. And it's so simple. Like Mm. they just got some wood and got some, you know, just like uh, shells and things like that to place things on. 
and they did it. I'm like, and I have the means and I feel like I have the privilege to do mm-hmm. so. Why not do so? Um, and so thankfully, I also have friends who are also privileged enough to assist me in these times. And so I was like, look, if you can help friend or not, please do as you pray right. if you would like to. Um, and so I just felt like Inglewood was a city that sometimes gets looked over and needs a little bit of love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've lived in Inglewood for some time in my life. You know, being from LA, I've lived in like every part of the city that there is. And so I just wanted to give back to one of the communities that I love and just to help the people out. And it's been so cool. Like I go over there and drop off donations or just go to hang out and people will walk by and like ask what's going on, ask if they can donate, mm. you know, or just thankful that it's being done. And it, it's not about the praise. It just feels good to get on that community right. level and see people's faces, you know, because I've been in the house for some months mm. now. So just having that social interaction, it's been rewarding enough. And like to see people that need it has been rewarding enough. And like, you know, I think it's also been cool to have my friends come out and also do the same thing and they get the same reaction from people and things like that. And it's been bringing the community together. That's beautiful. And so that has been really rewarding. Um, And uh yeah, like I said, and hopefully it's inspired other people to do the same. Like people have been reaching out, like, I don't want to take your idea, but can I do it? And I'm like, please <laughs> do it. Like, this was not my idea. You know, I got it from somebody else. So like, hopefully it continues to grow and everybody does a grab and go and everybody does um, the free food fridges that you yes. guys have probably been seeing too all over the nation. So it's sad that our government won't do it for mm. us, but because they won't, the people have to step right. in and do it. And so if that's what it means to bring us together and let a little bit of individualism go so we can come as a community, I think why not do it? I love it. And then yes. personally, I'm really appreciative that before quarantine started, I was able to do a project um in December and January so I do have like a really cool movie coming out I don't know when because of everything (laughs) right because of everything going on I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be in theaters but I'm not sure now but it's called Arch Enemy um and it's like it's like a twist on Max Fury type of movie Mm. so it's like sci-fi action I'm playing a really cool character. Her name is Indigo. I won't go too much into it, but I think it's going to be a really dope movie. And yeah, it's just something different. Like it's kind of in the, we were supposed to go to Comic-Con this year. Didn't happen, unfortunately, but I thought it was really cool because I've always wanted to get into that world um, and didn't know how or where I would see myself, you know, and this was the perfect opportunity. So like I said, it's just another great uh, like opportunity to meet new people mm-hmm. and a new perspective and a new point of view that I might not have, you know, before doing it. So I'm really excited yes. for that to come out and just continuing to do the humanitarian work and the community work because I feel like that's what has brought me a great sense of purpose right now is working and doing the community work, you know, like getting back to the basics. Right. Um, so that's a beautiful those thing. Those are what matters. To that's me. so beautiful. And also, <laughs> give us Afrofuturism with this role. I'm ready for it. I'm not a Comic Con girl myself, <laughs> but listen, I'm gonna be there. And if y'all make me pay for it on Netflix, I will. 
if it's just, it's just like Mulan, it's we extra will. $30. Most I don't care if it's a movie theater or not. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> so we can't wait for I'm that. For Thank you. Of course. I think so, too. Like, have, like, a Black girl in this world of, like, Comic-Con and sci-fi, I think it's definitely dope. Because it's not just me. I have a little brother, too. So it's two Black people. Mm-hmm in a different world so definitely that's dope. beautiful well thank okay. you this was amazing thank you for the insight thank you for the tea for the realness i think the one thing i really appreciate about you and i think people will appreciate about this episode is you just keep it real it feels you know like when you watch interviews with your actresses that you look up to it's always like yeah well that's amazing and <laughs> like yeah i tried out and i got it and that was it but i think like we really appreciate the honesty and like the transparency with the process and like the work that you put in, like, it's not no, like I made it happen and it just happened. It's like, no, I worked for months and then I made that happen. So I really, really appreciate that. And we're so glad to have had you here today before we wrap things up. We just want to close with the like thing that are bringing us joy real quick. So for me, I had to think today because it's been a week. And I could not really immediately think of something bringing me joy, but I just started rereading um, Toni Morrison's Song of Solomon, and that is bringing me, like, really feeding my spirit. Toni Morrison has just, you know, a way with words and, like, telling stories that just make books feel like, you know, like, once I'm reading this, it's like nothing else is going on. So that's been bringing me a lot of joy this week, for sure. How about something that's bringing you joy, Zoli? Definitely cooking, learning new recipes. Like, I love to cook. And like I said, getting back to the basics. So just honing in that skill. And being a plant mom. I'm, like, trying to take care of my plants. I'm trying to start a garden, all that kind of stuff. So that's been bringing me immense joy. McKean in the garden. Oh, that's so cute. I do love to garden. If you ever got any questions, <laughs> I'm I got you. I'm you up because I do. So that's perfect. For real. We love that. <laughs> For me, okay, McKean burst my bubble before this episode started because <laughs> I saw a tweet that said that SZA was coming out with a new album. Yes. And I'm not going to lie. I did not read all of it. Apparently it was fake. Apparently it was oh. a rumor. So I was like, oh. Wait, but now I don't know. Don't take my word. Don't take my I, word. I, I don't see that, but yeah. <laughs> The thing that's bringing me joy is I started re-listening to Control. And when it first came out, I didn't have, like, Apple Music, so I could only, like, listen to the songs that were, like, the most popular. And I still love them, don't get me wrong, but I never heard, like, Gogina or Normal Girl or any of those. So I listened to those for, like, the first time. And, like, i just been, like, re-listening. Yay! And I have, like, so many good memories associated with that album. So I've just been living. I'm just here for it. So That's good. Really I'm loving that for you honestly that month my monthly revisit to control is like what keeps me going every month is like oh, let me, i haven't listened yet like let me go back <laughs> so i'm glad you finally got you some gojina and thanks y'all for listening to today's episode that is all we have for you um special thanks to zoli for being our amazing guest this week thank you mckean thank you lauren <laughs> of course go check her out gas her up on instagram her ad name is at zoli g and if you have anything else to plug, the people should keep an eye on or is Instagram the place? Yeah, Instagram and IMDb. And I'll let y'all know when it happens. <laughs> Period. Period. Zoli, it's been such a pleasure having you on today. Everyone, go watch Wu-Tang and American Saga on Hulu ASAP if you have not watched it already. And also make sure to tune into next week's episode where McKean and I are going to be having a little conversation. Just getting honestly like real. 
and honest about this whole thing where you have to have your life figured out in your early 20s and just breaking that down and saying like what that's like and how it's not true and just a bunch of tea we're just gonna spill it all next week so for real tune into that yeah so in the meantime keep up with us on instagram at black girl blueprint where you can send us any questions or discussion topics or whatever you want to share with us you can also reach us by email blackgirlblueprint at gmail.com and if you like this episode please let, please let us know by subscribing giving us a review telling your friends telling your mama telling your aunties tell everybody and we'll see you next week bye everyone bye everybody see you next week bye <laughs>Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenni's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenni.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95.